Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. The content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome, everyone, to our latest edition of One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. This is the show that is for you and by you. We're creating a virtual community, creating conscious conversation, and the opportunity to have a place to delve a little bit deeper into life in a way that you might not do on your own. We are the show that is grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit, offering you what we hope is a unique perspective from both worlds at the same time. And where else do you get that, right? Where else do you get that fix? So my name is Callie Alpert. I'm here in the central Hudson Valley in New York with my dear friend, psychotherapist Steve Hassenberg. Hello, Callie. Hello. It's a luscious, warm day oh, in my. LA today. <laughs> wow, excuse me. And guess what? What? I'm feeling very emotionally intelligent. Today. I'm so glad. I'm really glad. I can't decide if I'm more excited about luscious or emotional intelligence. <laughs> Thank you for both. Maybe they're inexplic- inextricably connected. We'll see. So you've all heard about IQ. Perhaps you've felt pride or even insecurity in knowing your IQ. But do you know about your EQ or your emotional intelligence? Being able to recognize our emotions and those of others helps us navigate life and serves as a guide to our thoughts and our behaviors. So today, the power of emotional intelligence. We will discuss ways to help you elevate your EQ, use your emotional awareness as a compass to guide you through your own journey, and to help recognize how using your EQ can elevate the way you relate with others personally and professionally. So if you'd like to call and join us um, to share any stories, get any questions, or um, ask questions and get some um, guidance from us, please call us at 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. We would love to hear from you. That is our, that's why we're here. So let's start with where I, th- I think the birth, or at least the mainstream birth of this expression came from. I remember this because I was quite excited, even though I didn't quite understand it at the time. And it was uh, Time Magazine um, in 1995. The headline was The EQ Factor, right? And um, and they started to delve into the idea that there was a whole other quotient of intelligence or wisdom that also warranted acknowledgement and, and even men, um, measurement, right? That was more about um, our qualitative intelligence than our quantitative or quantifiable intelligence. Do you remember that magazine cover? I don't remember the cover, but I remember reading the book. See, you read, you read books. I read magazines. <laughs> well, in my field of psychology, it was very important to read Daniel Goleman's mm. Emotional Intelligence, because really it was a cutting-edge idea. Yeah, well, it was sort of a revelation, wasn't it? Uh, even though we have been, uh, you know, inundated with the IQ, as long as I can remember, before my time, certainly. Yeah. EQ, emotional quotient, nobody ever had uh, coined before. Mm. So it was a huge revelation that our emotions were as important, if not more important sometimes, than our intelligence, rational thought, logic, decision-making, all that stuff. We're so based in, uh, we're so defined, especially as a culture, by our brain power, as a measure of success, as a measure of strength, as a measure of character, and... Finally, little um, the emotional piece gets to kind of creep in there, which has um, so many virtues, but also uh, is probably more linked to the idea of our spiritual life. If we had to generalize, bottom line it. 
It's really true. Now, I do look up to you for your brain power. Oh, you've come to the wrong place, my friend. <laughs> but that's good. To, that's good to know. I'll have to. I'll have to talk you down from that so you don't make too many mistakes. Yeah, um, the the idea of EQ is that it has to do with first really understanding our emotions, mm. and then learning how to use them appropriately. Mm-hmm. Learning how to manage them, how to express them. And by learning about ourselves more deeply, we come to know other people, their feelings, their emotions, their emotional state better so we can read people better. Right. So let's, we'll ground it just in, um, just you, that was a good springboard for sort of the definition, right? So the the definition, we'll start the definition of IQ, which is um, probably more familiar to people which is your cognitive intelligence, the ability to understand information, imagine possibilities, solve problems, and make decisions. And again, I know so many people that are so deeply rooted in defining themselves and finding their confidence and their power inside of their IQ. And I do think Mm -hmm. that it's been supported and perpetuated by our culture. And that in and of itself is sort of interesting. I'm just, as I'm talking, I'm just sort of thinking about the the, uh, gravity of that. And then emotional EQ is like you said, the ability to understand, manage your emotions. Um, the payoff being the reason that we're doing this show and hopefully it can excite people as they get more in touch with their EQs is that it can help you relieve stress. It can help you communicate more effectively. It can help you empathize more deeply with others, overcome challenges, diffuse conflict. Who right, would want that? And what you and I are talking about is an integration or balance between the intellect, intellectual uh, capacity and emotional capacity, or we could say it another way, a balance between the head and the heart. The longest road, as Buddha says, right? They say the longest road is the road from head to heart or heart to head, head to heart. Yeah, I think head to heart is the yeah. longest road. Yeah, definitely. Right. I reversed. I, I turned the car <laughs> around and I went down a one-way street the wrong way, just there. <laughs> um, so the other thing that's sort of interesting about EQ in our like short and unofficial research that I did um, is that because uh, you're more you're more you're more buttoned up as the professional here with your research. Um, is that happiness and success in life actually depend more on EQ than they do on IQ. And I found a a statistic that said that uh, your emotional intelligence accounts for 80% of your success in life. Wow. Pretty wild. Yeah. Makes sense though, doesn't it? Do you think? Because, Because, you know, in my practice over the years, I've had so many individuals especially working in LA, I've had so many individuals who have had enormous success or enormous amount of money mm-hmm. and were very unhappy mm-hmm. because they never learned about their emotions. Mm-hmm. They didn't have time to be introspective. Mm-hmm. They were too busy making money. Mm-hmm. Or and getting they, fame or whatever their accolades were, right? And they were coming into me because they felt unfulfilled in their life. Mm. We're CEOs, head of studios, actors, all kinds of people who were not unfulfilled, didn't know what to do about it, were depressed because of it. And so that's what we worked on. You know, it's kind of interesting, too, as you're just as you're um, clumping in all those different categories of professions you know, when I think about like people in creative arts, uh, actors in particular, that I think of, um, typically they're, they have to be pretty well versed and practiced in being in touch and in relationship with their emotions. They do. And yet you so often hear about, you know, people like envy um, from the outside looking into some celebrity who's crossed, you know, of crossed off so many of the boxes on their checklist of right. fame and fortune. And then, like you said, they come in to their um, psychotherapist's office and their hearts are feeling empty. But I look at them as having a different relationship on making assumptions versus like um, an attorney or a CEO or, you know, again, I'm generalizing. Well, certainly, you know, with people who do method acting, Mm -hmm. 
they're people who have learned to express their feelings first to contact them very easily and yeah. express them but it doesn't mean that they've actually worked on themselves yeah that's <laughs> that's true there's a little <laughs> distinction there there is so we're going to talk a little bit more about um, the difference between IQ and EQ and the fact that uh, also the, the interesting news here is that IQs uh, tend to be, I, I don't know that an IQ can be grown or improved upon, right? An IQ. Not much. Um, um, and yet, an, uh, so I think you were the one that said this during our pre-production meeting that. Um, I did say that. You did, that uh, mm -hmm. nature Oh, so that IQs, um, I'm trying to understand my notes here, um, that there's an, that EQs, it's a more of a combination of nurture and nature versus IQ, which is probably more determined by nature. Right. It is. Is. That, is that true? It is. At the same time, given the right environment, uh, maybe a very, very supportive environment, an individual could probably uh, maximize their IQ more. Mm. Given a very supportive environment, somebody could maximize their emotional intelligence right. more. Right. So, so much does depend on the nurture part in a person's life. Nurturing, we're, I'm very much into nurturing. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> I love to nurture people. I mean, again, I'm going back to my practice. Yeah. Uh, a person is more receptive to change and to improvement from a nurturing kind of perspective. Mm. So if they feel known, if they feel respected, if they feel trusted, if they feel loved, all of that stuff allows somebody to maximize their potential. Mm. That's why I did so poorly growing up. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, I, um, I, yeah, it's, it's really interesting too, because uh, I'm thinking about my relationship with both of these things. And when I was a kid and I know um, you and I share a lot of our familial stories and energies and challenges um, that even though I came from a very artistic and creative um, and spiritual household, I was, I was very much, um, directed in the area of academics and I was little miss academic and everything was about striving for grades and achievements. I, I can't remember flagrant pressure, but it must've been silent pressure. Mm -hmm. So even though I was exposed to both in my household, maybe even the EQ kind of side of things more, um, I felt like I, um, I felt like I, uh, that, that I was conditioned to favor more of the, um, the IQ until I got older, you know? And I even remember feeling like when I started my professional life, I was thinking about the, this this morning, how I was very dualistic between my intentional, um, intentional, my in intellectual side and my emotional, uh, spiritual side. And I had no idea how to reconcile those two things. I didn't know to give them permission to let them live in the same room or that they shared a continuum. Um, and, yeah, on that topic, for most people, emotions are like wild horses. Yeah. The things we certainly, even when we're younger and going into uh, our 20s and 30s, there's some, there are parts of us that are very challenging. So when we're talking about emotional quotient, we're also talking about opening up not just to the easier emotions, mm -hmm. but also to the more challenging emotions which in essence is the reason we push them away in the first place. Right, because they're not fun. They're not no, easy. They're, they're not. not. Yeah. I want to see if we have a caller. I frankly can't tell. <laughs> so I want to give this person an opportunity if they are there. Caller, is, is there someone there? Okay, thank you. All right, we had a little technical glitch there. Just wanted to check and make sure we didn't have somebody holding. Um, we are talking, if you're just joining us, we're talking about the power of emotional intelligence. We are here if you'd like to call, share stories, ask questions. The number is 816-251-3555. And we're talking about the kind of formation of the 
emotional and uh, and intellectual quotients or intelligence. You know, so I was I was getting the uh, memory earlier about when I started my professional career and I was living at my parents' house in New Jersey and I was commuting to New York City. And I was grateful to have my first job in advertising. But I was also not in my, that was what was coming from my head. And what was coming from my heart was not that. I didn't know it was coming from my heart yet, but I was reading like Shirley MacLaine books on the train platform <laughs> on my way into New York it. City, feeling this it. duality as I was so eager and hungry to talk uh, or to develop my emotional side more and my spiritual side more. And my intelligent side or my head side was saying, you need to go to work. You need to make money. You need to start checking mm -hmm. all the boxes. It was like the classic um, societal indoctrination that Don Miguel Ruiz talks about so much. So I'm veering off a little bit because it's not about EQ per se, but it's about the development and honoring of your mind versus your heart, mm -hmm. which is exactly. probably one of the more um, kind of uh, applicable ways that we can have, you know, offer up the show today. Beautiful. What about you? How in touch with you were you with your... Did you even know you had an EQ? No, that's what I was saying before. For me, it was, EQ was like a fast current yeah. that I didn't want to drown in. And so my tendency was not to deal with my emotions and to go with my intellect, which it, itself was faulty. And so to re when you were saying people rely on their intellect, it's what we're given. Yeah. Right? And so we... We know it by virtue of the fact that we've been living with it for a long time. And we usually know what it's capable of. But when the difficult, judgmental, doubtful, fear-related thoughts come, you want to get out of Dodge. <laughs> yeah, that's actually kind of interesting, the way you just um, separated those things out. So you think that part of the reason that our culture is so founded on IQ um, or defined more by IQ than EQ by nature is that we, um, we are given our, our intellect is louder and our emotional, our emotionality requires more delving. Am I it, hearing that right? I think for me, it, yes, it does require more delving, but it starts out as in a sense of being more dangerous. You know, nobody wants to enter into the doubts and hatreds and fears and all the stuff that we find ourselves in until you begin to get to a point where you realize, unless I face this stuff, my life's not going to be the way I want it to be. Mm. So we're kind of forced into it, whereas with the intellect, it's just something we have. It's very, it's very different. So for you, like in your household, what was it like being the sort of, you know, sensitive, spiritual, even if you didn't know it yet? Like, did you feel like you had a place for all of that to even come out and develop in any way? Like, what did you do no. with all that energy? No, I didn't. Didn't think so. <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, I had a crazy household. If people have been listening to the show, they're learning more and more about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, my father, who was a genius for real, he graduated high school at 14 and went to college and finished college, I think, at 18. And um, he had no e emo. I was <laughs> used the emo word that mm -hmm. my kids use. He had no emotional intelligence whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And his whole life was predicated on his intellect. Now, his intellect itself was very interesting. Yeah, because that in it, we're not we're not undermining the the power and richness of intellect, certainly. In, in any way. Right. He had a, a brilliant, interesting storytelling, uh, deeply rich intellect, and um, I always enjoyed it. But he was not available mm. in any emotional way, and he was also a rageaholic because he never learned to face himself. Right. And, and that's one of the ways that we learn to be more EQE is by facing ourselves more, more directly and more clearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I relate. You, I grew up yeah. in a similar household and even now, you, you know, even when, when parents, uh, before they leave this earth and you see them in their older states, you can 
see the measure of when people do work on themselves or not, because those behaviors will continue to follow, follow you. So it's not like your emotional wisdom necessarily, um, grows if you're not willing to excavate it and pay attention to it. No, can lie dormant for a whole lifetime. Mm Mm-hmm. It's right? true. It's not, it needs to be cultivated like good soil. <laughs> what about you? Um, can you uh, tell the story of um, Shams, or at least the um, the quote about um, trusting people with words? Uh, well, uh, nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows Shams really. The, but everybody knows Rumi. Right. And so Shams was Rumi's teacher. Right. And Shams didn't believe in uh, words. First of all, he didn't believe in books. As a matter of fact, in Sufism, which is kind of interesting, there are three types of experience. One is the experience that people tell you about. The other is the experience you learn in books. And the other, the third, is the experience you learn from being having a direct experience of reality. Mm. And so the and high-level Sufi like Shams didn't believe in books. <laughs> it's amazing. And, and also early on, I mean, you taught me this, that Rumi was not known to be a spiritual, mystical man, right? He was, was he a lawyer, a scholar Ooh. and a lawyer? Rumi was a barrister, and a barrister is somebody who not only practices law, but writes law. So he came from that kind of lineage. It's so fascinating when you think about the theme of our show before you tell the rest of the story, that there are there's a lot of unearthing that can happen with people on these continuums, right. or something surprises them and suddenly they're, yeah, there's they become quite the opposite. They go from their head to heart or heart to head. It's really wild. So Rumi was in his head and Shams was in his heart. And those were two people who met each other. Mm. Did you want me to tell that story? Yeah, I love that story. I think it's really interesting. Uh, Okay, so uh, Shams was a shaman. Shams, (laughs) by the way, in Iran means the sun. So he was radiant as a sun, and he was a shaman, or a wise man. And um, he, he had a dream one night that even though he, he really detested words, he thought he needed somebody to translate his wisdom. So that wisdom would be a legacy that he would leave on the earth, right? Mm. And so he had a dream one night that uh, he saw this man near Damascus who was going to be his translator. And Damascus was about 800 miles from (laughs) where he lived. And so that's a long way back then. Mm, That's a lot of hitchhiking on a donkey. This is 1341. Yeah. If we can make a Can't even imagine, yeah. So that's a long walk. That maybe took three or four months. I don't know. Long time. So anyway, um, Shams got to this little town outside of Damascus. And he was looking for this man who was going to translate his wisdom. And he saw somebody sitting near a lake <laughs> with all these students around him. <laughs> and ne- and that was Rumi. And next to Rumi, he had all of these beautiful law books. Mm. And he recognized, did he, and he recognized, did he recognize his face from his vision? This was the man he saw in his dream. I love these stories. And he just listened for a couple days. And one day he came into the circle and he said, what are you doing? And he looked like a beggar. It was all disheveled <laughs> and a crazy man. And Rumi said, why are you bothering us? You wouldn't understand anyway. <laughs> Go away. And so Shams went away, waited on the side for about an hour or so, and then ran into the middle of the circle, grabbed a whole pile of law books and threw them into the lake that the kids My were sitting goodness. next to. And Rumi went up just absolutely <laughs> crazy. What are you doing with these books? They've given to me by my father. And uh, Shams looked at him 
and said, would you like your books back? And Rumi <laughs> said, of course I want my books back. And Shams put his hand into the lake, pulled out a book, gave it to Rumi, and it was dry. <laughs> and Rumi said, oh, man. how did you do that? And Shams said, you wouldn't understand. Mm. That is so, it's so amazing when you think about Rumi being probably the most household name, most uh, recognized and treasured mystic poet, spiritualist that most of us can name. Right. And a how, very EQ person. How did that transition, um, if you can tell us in the next 30 seconds before we go to our break, how did that transition happen? Was it immediate? Was it sort of a God-given thing or was it because he desired to and he just went it on It was a God-given thing. Rumi looked into the eyes of Shams and fainted. And then... <laughs> Um, Shams and Rumi spent the next uh, five or six months together every day. And Rumi was transformed into one of the greatest poets in, the, in any language. So the magic happens and there's still the possibility. It's such a beautiful and, ex you know, really great historic example of going from head to heart in like the purest and most magical way. So we're talking about EQ. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Steve's going to lead us in a beautiful practice to get us into more of a state of mindfulness so that we can get more in touch with our EQs and develop it further. We'll be right back. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome back, friends. You are listening to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. I'm Kelly Alpert here with my Dear friend, spiritual psychotherapist Steve Hassenberg, we are talking about the power of emotional intelligence, the journey from head to heart, and the difference between um, the virtues of IQ and the virtues of EQ. Given that EQ has really been on the map for a very short period of time, relatively speaking, if you'd like to join us, call in, offer a story, ask a question, you can do so at 816-251-3555. And we do have a caller on the line. Caller, are you there? I'm here. Hi. Hi. What's your name and where are you calling from? Um, my name is Lisa, and I'm calling from Sierra Madre, California. Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Are you? Um, do you, have you thought about EQ versus IQ along the way? Like, what do you think about oh, this concept? I, I, I'm here. Honestly, I'm hearing it here for the first time, and I'm just so blown away by it. I oh. love the, um, the Shams and Rumi story. I never knew that. Isn't that beautiful? I love that story, and Steve tells oh, it so well. Just, so incredible. Uh, so what it brought up for me, um, let me word this right. I'm a, I'm a very spiritual person. I'm drawn to that. And I'd like to know what role my emotions play in my spiritual development, if any. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> I'll go first and then we'll get the professional take. Um, I can only speak from my own personal experience and I think they're deeply connected, you know, and I would say that, um, often I, I believe that emotions need to be sort of loved and unearthed and released first before you can get to the spiritual piece. You know, if you mm -hmm. imagine, again, this is just me, but if you imagine sort of the trajectory or Steve and I call it like the bell curve of your spiritual development. I mm -hmm. think that um, emotions are the, you know, one of the first steps, like on the sort of checklist, for lack of a better word, uh, to engage with and to learn and to understand with spirituality waiting on the other side of them. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? It does. Um, it's just when emotions are so high and 
um, intense. I forget that, you know? Yeah, and finding the space is the other big piece, right? Like finding the space around the emotions. Go ahead. For me, yeah, for me, um, I've always, not anymore, but for many, many years on my spiritual path, I kept being challenged by the intensity of my emotions, Mm. the intensity of my fears. I had a lot of fears growing up. I had a lot of fears in my 20s, 30s, and 40s, things related to security, uh, money for my family, and all of those things always got in the way in in some manner in regards to my spirituality. But I understood later on that all of those were actually there for my spirituality, that they were the, the, the circumstances that catalyzed the issues inside of me that I came here to learn about. And so as I learned about them, as I faced them, as I kind of made companions of them, uh, my spirituality got stronger and stronger. So the emotions and spirituality, I don't see as separate. I see Mm -hmm. it's a different form of our spirituality. It's the challenge form of our spirituality. It's the challenge form of our evolution. And so my take on it now is that they're one and the same. As I grow and Mm -hmm. understand and embrace my emotions more deeply, my spirituality grows accordingly. So it's a kind of double growth situation. Mm. I love that. I love the way you put that. Lisa, does that resonate for you? you. Totally, because the the big one is fear, because when that one comes up, it's like I, um, how do I get my way out of this, you know? Like you're being chased down the street by a a thug on a dark street, and uh, you're just run by that raw fear. So So that helps a lot. Yeah. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for asking. Thanks for joining us. Great question. Yeah, it is. It's a really important question. And I guess um, to Lisa's last point, it's really more about leaning in and leading toward based on what you're saying, that these emotions hold up a mirror for us to create, or you always say emotions catalyze us to pay attention to what we still need to love or get to know in ourselves. Right. right? You've said that a few times. So it's an opportunity, I guess, in that moment. I was thinking more with my my initial response to like the spiritual bypass part, like when you're Uh, in uh. pain, um, you know, if you're looking at it more linearly, that a lot of people will cast their emotions aside and table them and say, oh, it's meant to be or everything's here for a reason. And so I I think I was speaking more to the idea that they need to be um, felt Exactly. Right, or you don't get to the spiritual side. And they do, and that was a very important aspect of the question, of the answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So would you like to lead us Uh, and our dear listeners through a little um, practice, and let's talk about why this is important in the name of raising our EQs? I could do it for a fee. (laughs) I'll send a check to you. I'll I'll Venmo you later. Yeah, Venmo me. Okay. Okay. So we're going to do a short, this is a short mindfulness exercise, but let me preface it by saying that the way that you develop EQ, one way, there are many ways, one way you develop EQ is by getting to know your emotional state more clearly, and a mindfulness practice is a great way to do that. Mm. So a mindfulness practice is a stepping back from what the Buddhists call the mind stream. And the mind stream composes both the thoughts and feelings that are streaming through you moment by moment. And you begin to step back. So we're going to step back first by closing our eyes, taking a few deep breaths, clearing the system. And our anchor in this exercise is going to be our breathing. So we're going to be breathing very gently, naturally, and easily. We'll begin with an inhale, about four slow counts. 
Exhale is going to be four slow counts. So you just want to start for maybe 30 seconds being aware of your breathing, being aware of the coolness that comes into the nostrils. Be aware of the air coming out of the nostrils on the exhale. Very gentle, very easy. We have a receptive and welcoming attitude toward. And so you're going to be taken over by your thoughts. You'll be taken over by your feelings. And then when you realize you're practicing mindfulness, you'll come back to your breath. So we're just going to do this for a couple of minutes. The feeling comes, you welcome it. The thought comes, you welcome it. You notice, you witness it. But you're not that interested in the content. You're just interested in witnessing this energy coming and going and coming back to your own breath. So I'm going to let you do this for a couple minutes. thoughts and our feelings. The more space we have, the more control we have over time. The more control we have, the more we can decide whether this thought's a good one to follow through on, whether it's extraneous, whether it's unimportant. We become captain of our ship over a period of time. So this is a beautiful practice. So we'll do one more minute. And then when you're ready, just slowly open your eyes. It's amazing how much you can drop in just by taking a few minutes of your day. Is that amazing? Yeah, it really, um, thank you for that. Uh -huh. I love your practices. And I, I think we can never um, underestimate the importance because Often we'll go to these practices or we'll say things that overlap a lot on our shows, but it's because the bottom line is, for most things, creating a sense of space and creating a safe place to get to know yourself better. Really, that kind of, right? Doesn't that sort of underlie most everything we want to help our listeners to achieve? It and really ourselves, does. Right? It really does. Yeah. We want to help you get to a place where your life is more smooth and fluid, clear, effective happy. That's our job. <laughs> our self-elected job. Yep. <laughs> um, so in putting it in context, just to kind of anchor the intention of sharing a practice like that, again, it's really about, like you said, watching the mind stream, learning to watch your feelings come and go without any judgment, without intervening, uh, just as a way to create more space and an opportunity for more to come up because the more space you make, the more, uh, the more things emerge and surface 
And the more you get to know your emotions and the more something like your emotional intelligence grows. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Yep. Isn't it also because if you're, you know, the more you unpack, let's say, a trauma or some pain that you had as a kid, which inevitably always teaches empathy, mm-hmm. the more you can put it toward these types of practice or more applicably in your day. Um, as a way to serve yourself and to serve other people, whether it's at work or personally in relationships. Yeah, that's beautiful. And the other thing, I'm being reminded by about Brene Brown again mm-hmm. on, on her TED Talk mm-hmm. on vulnerability. Yeah. And so the way into EQ can be vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And um, that openness to self, whatever we find in there, in a gentle, open-hearted, loving way is the way to begin to maximize who we are as human beings. Yeah. And to live it more fully in our life, as you were just saying. It's so, it'd be interesting. There are actually, maybe we can offer this on our website at some point, do a follow-up, because there are tests. You know, I'm thinking as I'm listening to you talk about, you know, why do we care? I'm just asking, you know, like for just the greater... Um, greater collective of our, of our listeners, you know, why does this matter? Why do we care about something like EQ? Um, and how do we even measure it? If we were to put work toward it, is there a way to even measure or qualify or quantify it? And there are tests, which I probably should have gotten, um, the names of before we started the show today. So apologies for that. But if you look under EQ and how to test my EQ, there's one that's called like MEIS or MEIS, M-E-I-S, I think, something to that effect. Um, but it's just sort of also a fun way to get more in relationship with this. You know, it's interesting. Um, should we talk about the four categories of emotional intelligence and how you, they can be like springboards to people's lives? Sure. If you mention them, all, we can both talk about them. Okay. So the first one is self-awareness, right? The awareness of feelings, emotions, strengths, weaknesses, what you're good at and where you need to improve. So how can that help people? Where, why would we care about that? Well, we care about that because it's what we're talking about. It's a, a realistic appraisal of you. Mm. And so, uh, you know, we, we often have... Uh, kind of very skewed appraisals of ourselves. <laughs> I would say probably do. <laughs> How do we know that we ever have anything purely object, you know, any sense of objectivity about ourselves, really? And they can go in either direction in extremes, really. Yeah. It could be very poor view. <laughs> it, it could be a very good view that's kind of ego-based. <laughs> mm-hmm. Certainly people who are narcissistic tend to have an extraordinary view of themselves. So they other, think but other deep people down. may not, right? Right. But deep down, it's really coming from totally the opposite, right? So the self-awareness as the first one is being developed as you practice mindfulness yeah. in, in a big way. Yeah. I also think about like where it's applicable. I mean, even, you know, I've probably used it today in a meeting at work. You know, it comes in so many different forms when you start getting in touch with this this stuff, the, the nuances, the tiny little layers that really apply to so many aspects of our day. Um, you know, so it could come in the form of when you're, at, you know, doing something at work and you're feeling like you said something stupid at a meeting and then you catch yourself realizing that that's not necessary or you know where that trigger comes from and, you know, you, um, <clears throat> you kind of stop it down before it becomes a a script that you're writing in your mind, getting yeah, distracted. That's, that's called emotion <laughs> and, and psycho germ, psycho germ and psycho babble, <laughs> which is my field. That's called emotional regulation. Mm. Just noticing and being and, able to keep it centered. Yeah. Know what, what's appropriate and inappropriate to express. Right. Right. Um, the second one, and there's overlap between these is self-management, the ability to control impulsive feelings, behaviors, manage emotions in healthy ways, follow through on commitments, adapt to changes and changing circumstances, and learn how to deal with what you find inside your moods, your impulses, your drives, do your emotions control you, or can you be a captain of your own ship? 
Very, very important. Can mm. you master your emotions? This is very deep stuff. Mm -hmm. Takes a very long time. And that mastery isn't a heavy control. It's a walking with or a real appreci appreciation of your emotions, that you've made friends with them. And so when the Buddhists say, learn to make friends with yourself, they were on to EQ Mm. 2500 mm -hmm. BC <laughs> now 2500 BC they were on to EQ in a big way because you're saying get to know yourself be a right, good so, friend to yourself so it tamps down the um, reactivity so that right. again it can keep it sort of creates an open and more even playing field to experience what's really happening versus just getting caught up in the rush of whatever your reactions are exactly the next one is social awareness. You have empathy. You can understand the emotions, the needs and concerns of others, and you can pick up on emotional cues, or as I like to say, read the room. Um, you feel comfortable socially uh, listening to other people, looking for clues as to their concerns, um, pay attention and be in the moment and be present. So again, all of these really apply. Like there's such great life tools. I can right. think of, you know, I've probably used everyone in my, like in, within one day at work or within one conversation with a friend, you know, they're really, really relatable. Um, so let me just add to that. If you yeah. know yourself deeply, you also are extremely intuitive that to know yourself is to know others. And that's a beautiful way of thinking about EQ. Mm, it's fine. I never even really put that together, like the idea that the more you know yourself, the more intuitive you are. Yeah. But I guess it makes sense. I always think of like the more open your channel is and the more space uh -huh. you have, but they're not mutually exclusive, the right. more your channel's open to the bigger, the bigger ship, the mothership. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so empathy, obviously, really, really important. And even speaks to, to me, again, overlaps with the idea of self-management because there's, um, you know, to have empathy if somebody is triggering you in that moment, mm -hmm. you know, right. to be able to regulate your own reactivity and summon up your compassion or your empathy at the same time. It's a tall order. It is. And in the moments when it happens, it's, there's a lot of beautiful grace that goes on with that. And again, it really helps with professional relationships and personal relationships, the idea the of baby. Go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was done. The world would be a much better and more peaceful place if we had more empathy for people. Amen. Amen, brothers and yeah. sisters. It's so simple. It's the golden rule. It's treat people how you want to be treated. I mean, it's so simple. Right. You know, you and I were talking the other day about how you have to like go out, you know, it's the alchemist, right? You have to go travel near and far, you know, for decades and decades of everything on your spiritual path only to come back to these things that are really, really simple and that most of us learn in kindergarten, but we're just not ready to receive it to full That's capacity, right. you know? And the final one, before we get to our action steps is relationship management, where you know how to develop and maintain good relationships, communicate clearly, inspire and work well in teams and manage conflict. Beautiful. So again, that just feels like more of a macro version of what we talked about before in terms of your own self-management is... The exactly. idea of relationship management. So with that, we want to offer our action steps. And these are all action steps, again, that really have to do with, um, like what Steve said about coming out of the practice that he just led us through, that really have more to do with um, creating a space and getting to know yourself better as a way to develop your emotional intelligence. Um, the first one, obviously, is to pra practice mindfulness. Look at mindfulness as a way, gently stepping back from your thoughts and your feelings, learning to witness them without judgment. And as Steve just took us through, you start with one nice inhale. You can count to four as you take that inhale and then the same as you're releasing that inhale and just get really present with the flow of your breath and the way it feels going in and out of your nostrils. And then continue this. Let the feelings and the thoughts just as one meditation teacher I witnessed once said, just they're like logs floating down the river and you just kind of let, watch them come and go. Mm -hmm. Try to do this exercise every day or at least you know a few days a week for five minutes. Um, the second is to practice meditation. Meditation can be something where you sit by yourself and just kind of do you know quiet breath meditation. Um, if you're more 
into apps that can help to guide you. Headspace is one I know Steve's a big fan of. I'm not a big app person, but you're always a big um, supporter of that because everybody needs their own tools. Um, Insight Timer, is that another one? I'm not familiar. It's another app that's lovely. Yep. Okay. Um, so again, meditation helps you to calm your mind and your body also helps you to step back from all the stories that run our lives. That's always the goal is to be a witness, to create enough space that we can be a witness to the story that we're living rather than being caught in the web of it. And the and, more, let me just add an addendum, please. the more space we can create, the more safety we feel. Mm. And so we're all looking to feel safer here in this crazy chaotic place. <laughs> And that's why the Buddha's called the meditation area the refuge. It's a refuge from all of that. It's a refuge even from yourself. It's a refuge from your thoughts and feelings, and it creates more and more space. And so there's more and more safety and comfort. Mm. I think when I first met you, you called it base camp. <laughs> Pulling yourself back to base camp. If you want to climb okay. up to Everest and get into those higher altitudes, you got to start with base camp. You got to keep coming back to base camp, keep coming back to your center. I like and that. <laughs> and finally, third action step, create a self-judgment inventory. So list your self-judgments, your self-criticisms, your self-doubts, your fears, any diminishing thoughts that you have, and get to know how you're treating yourself. Make a decision to treat yourself as your own best friend. We've talked about that before. I mean, again, that's like a very basic tenet of a lot of these practices is can you treat yourself as well as you treat your best friend? Another super, super simple thing if you just remember. So again, to reiterate our action steps, practice mindfulness with a little bit of breath mindfulness, just noticing your thoughts arising and releasing them. Practice meditation. You can use apps like Headspace, Insight Timer. Meditation is a way to calm your mind and your body. And finally, create a self-judgment inventory. List your self-judgments, your criticisms, and just get to know where you're giving yourself a harder time than you might even realize. So with that, we want to thank everyone for listening. You mean a lot to us. We're grateful for this opportunity and to Unity Online Radio. If you want to learn more about us, we're on Instagram at One Soul Radio, Facebook at One Soul Radio Podcast. Please engage with us if you have topics, issues, questions, things that you'd like us to cover in our upcoming shows. You can also find um, this show here for posterity on Unity Online Radio podcast. And next week, our show is Are You a Risk Taker or Do You Play It Safe? And when we're talking about risks, we're talking about even the little ones that you don't know are risks. They could be the risks in your thoughts. They don't have to be the risks about jumping out of airplanes, <laughs> right? It could be the risk you take when you decide to think a little differently today than you did yesterday. So we're going to cover good, all Kelly. different kinds of risks. So I don't have to jump out of a plane? No, not okay. for that. Unless unless you have a microphone and we can do the show live from that. Okay. Then, then we can. So thank everybody for joining us. We wish you all a beautiful and safe and blessed week. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.